We are in this month, a series called We Are, where we begin looking at, or we have begun to look at the identity of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ or as his church. Now, we're kind of, as we get to today, we're going to kind of shift a little bit of a slightly different direction than, than where we have been, because we're going to talk about who we are is sort of based on who we are for, and we're going to kind of shift that direction a little bit. There was a little phrase that I picked up in Australia that I kind of never really got until I became a parent. And, and a lot of Aussies, would, they would say this if they were doing something, they'd say, oh, it was for the kitties. It was for the kitties. And they'd always have that sort of look. And you were supposed to understand, well, I didn't totally get it until I was actually a parent. And that, you see, that, that little phrase could get you a little nod of understanding and sympathy as opposed to the, what were you doing? So if a dad was caught at a dance recital with his little girl instead of at home watching footy where, where all his mates were, he could say, oh, it, it was for the kiddies. And they'd all nod with understanding and, and you're fine. And that, that little phrase, though, it kind of, it, it, it tells us what we are as parents. I mean, I can remember when, when we became a parent for the first time and we brought our baby home and they would cry and they would cry and they would cry for three months solid. It seemed like they did nothing but cry. And as you came into church, you could kind of, you know, with your hair not combed properly, you could say it was because of the kitties and everyone look at you and you'd nod and you, it's okay. You see, there's things that we do because it's for the kitties. I mean, how many dirty diapers do you change because it's for the kitties? How many times do you go to, <laughs> did you have to watch the, the Weagles or Dora the Explorer or, or, or Bob the Builder? And you would sit and you would do it over and over and over because it was for the kitties. How many times did you find yourself doing things that you would sit there and you say, this, I, late nights waiting up as your kids started getting the driver's license and started going on dates and you waited up till midnight and you weren't going to bed until they came in because it was for the kiddies. The, the, the times when you would stop and you would listen for hours of, dates or the breakups and the, and you would do it even while you're ready to pull your hair out and say, I, don't, I can't do this anymore, but it was for the kiddies. And we can understand that because there are things we do as parents. There are things that we do as adults. We do for the kiddies because we are truly concerned for our kids. You see, when I hear that term, it's for the kiddies, it's not about the kids, it's about the person who's looking after the kids. Because that little phrase tells me, number one, there's an adult who loves their kids and is willing to sacrifice for their kids. When I hear that little term, it's for the kiddies, it reminds me that there is a, an adult who, who is saying, I love my kids so much that I'm willing to go above and beyond and put myself out so that my kids will have a better life than maybe I had. We do those things because we're concerned for our kids. 
Yet as a follower of Jesus Christ, we know this. Though the physical needs of our kids are important, there is more to that little idea or there should be more to that little phrase that's for the kiddies than simply meeting their physical needs. Than simply about making sure that they've had their food on the table, they've had their clothes bought and paid for, that they've got their education taken care of. There comes a place that we stop and we realize there's more to this idea that it's for the kiddies than simply me making sure that they have what they want, but they actually get what they need, and that is more than a physical stuff. We're willing to go to extraordinary lengths so that our kids can be provided for. And Jesus reminds us there's more to life than simply physical stuff. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus states this. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? As Jesus asked that little question, isn't your body more than these things? He wasn't expecting anyone to answer. It's one of those redundant questions where you know, and I know, that there's more to life than simply providing for the physical wants. There is something bigger and deeper than. In fact, to help us understand this, Jesus and or Luke records for us, and it's actually found in Luke chapter 15, and we're not going to put it up here because we all know the story. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus told the story that we call the prodigal son. Now, the story kind of goes like this. There was a young guy who while growing up, came to his dad and says, Dad, and I'm going to paraphrase this into my, okay, the New James Version, okay? But I encourage you to go home and read it for yourself. It's found in Luke chapter 15. But, but he came to his dad and he says, Dad, basically I wish you were dead. And I wish I had your inheritance now because then I could live the, my life the way I want to live it. Now that's quite a thing to tell your dad, but and, and if I would have told my dad that, I'm not sure he quite would have responded the same way this dad did. But Jesus was making a point. And this dad, in the story that Jesus told, he says, all right, son, if that's the way you feel, he went up to his bank account and he began to divide all of his inheritance up between his two boys. And he said, all right, son, here's, here's your inheritance. You live your life the way that you see it. And so the son took off and he lived his life. I mean, he had the time of his life. He lived it the exact way he wanted for a while. Soon time caught up with him and his money ran out and he began to find himself. He was homeless. He was hungry. And he was stuck. He had no place to be. He found himself begging and doing all sorts of things that, that basically... He just, he couldn't believe he got this low, but there was nowhere else for him to go. And, and finally one day he gets this brilliant idea or this, this brilliant realization. I'm not sure what we call it, but he begins to realize, hey, the guys who work for my dad, I've never heard of one of them being hungry before. The guys who work for my dad, there's none of them that are homeless. 
Maybe I can go home and maybe my dad will at least hire me on as, as one of the guys who work for him. And maybe I, I can get my life sort of back in track. And as he begins to hit home, his dad looks up and he sees him walking down the driveway. And he does something that, is, that I don't know if I could do. But he looks up and he sees this guy in all of his dirty, tattered clothes and his hair that hasn't been, been washed in weeks. And he runs out and he gives him the biggest hug and he says, son, I so love you. Let's throw a party. I'm so glad you're back. I'm, I'm gonna just, hey, let's get all the neighbors around. Guys, my son's home. Dad, dad, you don't understand. I, I, I'm, I, I. Dad says, it's enough, son. I understand, you're home. You see, what Jesus was trying to teach is that there is something so much more worthwhile than simply physical needs being met. There is a relationship to be mended. You see, for those of us who follow Jesus Christ, we understand that the greatest thing that our children can have is a mended relationship with God their Father. You see, as Jesus told that story, he began to say this. In a relationship, there is forgiveness. In a relationship, there is hope. In a relationship, there is a future. And so as we begin to look at our kids and we begin to realize I want to pass my faith on that I don't just simply want to give them all their physical wants and their physical needs. I want to make sure that they have something more than a, a relationship with the Heavenly Father, something that will give them a future, something that will give them forgiveness when they find themselves in tough times, something that will give them hope. You see, we understand as parents when we have children who are far away and they come back and get a restored relationship, there is nothing greater than. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18, Moses, as he was standing there with a brand new nation and as he's trying to teach them, hey guys, here's the way of God, he begins to tell them something really important. He wasn't worried about them necessarily saying, hey, here's your list of do's and don'ts, only you need to teach your kids the list of do's and don'ts. But, but he really wanted them to be able to pass their faith on to their children. And, and so he says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 and 19, he stands before the Jews and he says this. So commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. And this is really where he's pushing him to because he says this. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Moses was concerned about that as the children of Israel or the nation, these Jewish people would get into their new homeland, that they would get so concerned about meeting their children's physical wants that they would begin to forget about the need that they have with their spiritual or their heavenly father. And so Moses tells them, guys, this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ or with God at the time, talk about it with your kids. 
just make it a part of your life. In a sense, make it like something you wrap on your forehead. Now, some of the Jews took this really literally, and they'd take little boxes and stick little verses of Scripture in it. But that's not what he was trying to say. He was literally saying, just allow it to be a part of your life. Not something you do on a Saturday, but something you do every day. Later, Paul wrote a church in Ephesus. And he tells them this. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. In other words, Paul tells them our very lives are to be lived in such a way that our children see God's goodness and love through the way we live. Now, I want to say this. I would like to kind of just stop and kind of keep going on this route with as pastor, or to say to you, as a pastor to parents, hey, teach your kids to love God. Teach your kids to love God. But that would only be half the story. Because really what I'm really trying to get to us is us as a church, how do we begin to look at this very idea of what we will do for the kiddies? In Matthew chapter 19, verse 13, we're told Matthew records this little story for us. And he starts like this. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. If this was a modern day story, if it was written today, someone was recording it today, it would be probably written like this. One day, a young family brought their five kids to church. They were noisy, misbehaving. They spilt their juice on the carpet. They kicked their and ground their cookie crumbs into the, I mean, it was a mess. They were loud and obnoxious and nobody could get them under control. And so when church was done, Pastor Carter went to them and said, uh, I'm so thankful that you were willing to bring your family to church, but this may not be the church for you. You see, there's others of us who are trying to respectfully listen to what I'm trying to teach them. So maybe you need to find somewhere that will cater to your kids. And then Jesus responded after he heard this. He kind of like, guys, whoa, hang on a moment, stop. And this is what he says in, in Matthew records for us in 14 and 15. He says, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. So they're a little bit noisy. We can clean the juice up off the ground and we can scrub the carpets. Take a deep breath, it's okay. Oh no, okay, that didn't quite make it in there. That was my part. Let me get back to what it said. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children and they placed their hands on their heads and he blessed them before he left. Now, I want to say this. I am thankful as a church. We do believe in sacrificing for the kiddies. We do not see children here as an inconvenience. Instead, we see them as examples of our faith and love of, and of what we are to be. Because we do believe that children are not just a future, but they are our present, we sacrifice here. The church goes out of its way. You guys go out of your way to look after and to provide for 
the kitties. And so I'm going to take this moment, and, and I, I know we don't do this enough, but I do want to just take this moment because we are talking about it, and I want to recognize what and who does what for the kitties. We have, I mean, if we look around here today, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start naming names, and as I name names, would you kind of just stand, and if you can bear to stand that long, we just wait till I finish naming names? What and who do we do what for the kitties? Now, I'm gonna start with this. We have one person in the church who has over the years done more for the kitties than I'm, I mean, it boggles my mind. She's been doing more for the kitties a lot longer than I have known her, and that's well over 20 years. Marie Price, she's been involved in the Sunday school program, the nursery program, she has done and done. And so if you don't know where Marie now, I'll give her a free pass if she wants to sit. But Marie's over here. And so you just look at her because I just want to say this. Marie has given and given and given and sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed. And has loved on our kids at Milestone Baptist Church for so many years. And you know what? She is still willing and wanting and waiting to do it for the kids. Now, number two, the rest of you guys don't get a free pass, okay? That's just because I don't dare cross with Marie because she'll beat me up after. The rest, though, and the second is like nigh to Marie, who has been taking care of nursery and coordinating nursery program for, well, longer than I've known her too, Jean Harris. All right, Jean, you got to stand. I'm going to make you stand because Jean has literally, and for those of you who've been here, has known, has looked after and looked after and provided nursery rosters, been in there, made sure everything is taken care of, um, and has, I mean, consistently for, I, don't, I won't ask because it has been a lot longer than I've known Jean. Now, we're going to continue on, and we're going to continue on with sort of the nursery side of things because uh, we'll kind of break it through. All right, so this is not according to any order, and if I, for some reason, have missed somebody, I apologize, but we're going to start. Pauline, all right. Lindy. Jamie. Cassie. Jean. And J.D., Kathy in the back, Caitlin, Kayla, Maddie and Holly, but they are already over in the other room. Okay, so now you guys stand. This is just the nursery workers. Then we begin to get into children's church workers, all right? Carla. Cassie, but she's already standing. Holly, but she's back in the other room. Connor helps out in children's work. Benjamin helps out in children's church. Now, children's Sunday school. Amy, Chris, all right, these are almost all of them, but there's still one more. 
Sunday morning teen small group, which I am so thankful for, and that's Todd, and he's in the other room. Look around. See the size of our church. You guys do not just talk about doing it for the kiddies. You guys do it for the kiddies. Week after week after week. Thank you. You may be seated. That should blow your mind for the church our size to see that many people willing to stop and just in one small part of the program to dedicate your lives of what you are willing to do for the kids. Now, here comes the tough part. This year, has not been easy on us as a church on what we've been able to do for the kids. For those of you who, I'm just talking to those who are online who may not be familiar totally with what's gone on, but you probably are. We have had a really, really, really rough time on our children's department. Now we were starting to have, before the coronavirus hit, we were already beginning to struggle with some of our problems and Pastor Harris began to prepare you guys on the need that was beginning to be needed for the renovation of the children's wing. We were already having problems when Pastor Harris began to, hey, I need to prepare you guys. We're going to have some things coming up because the nursery was already beginning to get overcrowded. The children's worship, just not enough space. And the rooms were no longer beginning to function like what they were originally designed to function. And so if Pastor Harris began to stop and say, all right, guys, we're going to need to get ready. We're going to need to get some renovation. And he began to lay the foundation of what we be- need to begin to do. And so as he began to get that going, coronavirus hit. And we had to basically shut everything down. As we shut everything down and we began to kind of try to get things, we kind of slowly began to open up church a little bit and try to begin to get things on. And as we began to do that, we had a third whammy just so we didn't get comfortable called Sally. Does anyone remember that lady? I kind of wish she would have gone somewhere else, but she came to our church. And she came and did a real big number on this end of the building. And if you guys haven't seen it, you're welcome to take a little kind of meander down on this hall and just have a look at what happened down here to Sally. It has destroyed our children's department over here. And so right now, we have a whole right wing, a third, almost kind of a, nearly a third of our building, kind of unusable. But we know as we began to try to open up church, we have to get sort of certain things opened up again because it is important that we, for our kids, stop to say we have a place for them. And so we've begun to push and we started opening up nursery and we've got nursery stuck over in one of the adult rooms over here in what has been our Embrace Grace room. And it's working, sort of. It's not ideal for those of you who've been helping in there. You know it's kind of not quite. We've got couches kind of propped on top of each other and everything kind of pushed aside. And it sort of works for the moment. But as the coronavirus begins to get under control, and I'm going to keep praying that it's going to eventually get under control and we're going to keep this thing moving, we're going to need to get our children's worship opened up again. 
And as we do, we are going to begin to truly be running out of space. Now, I'm not saying that for any reason except to say this. Will you guys just bear with us this year as we begin to go through all of the processes? What we will do this year is going to be a little bit uncomfortable at times, especially for us as adults. But just bear with us because we're gonna be doing it for the kiddies. We will try to sacrifice for them and put ourselves in a little bit of discomfort so we can begin to open up and provide for the kids like we need to. There will be time when we will have to literally kind of, okay, it's all right. It's for the kiddies. It's for the kiddies. It's okay. That's not, you know, uh, yep, the music's a little bit loud. I hear them screaming and hollering. It's okay. It's for the kiddies. All the renovation that's needing to happen, it's okay. It's for the kiddies. I want to say, as we begin to go through, there will be some times this year as we begin to move forward that it is going to get uncomfortable. And we've already started the process just this last month or this month in January. We've already had the architect come through and begin to look at and, all right, how are we going to do this? Todd and I have gone down and had discussion with him to say, hey, I'm not sure this is quiet and trying to get things. But it is going to get to a point when all of a sudden we're going to have to start. There might be extra dust and extra dirt and extra things moved around. And yeah, we're going to be planning on doing some stuff in here into the auditorium and in our adults' room to try to get some things functioning better. But the vast majority of what we're going to be doing is going to be for the kiddies. Because we know Jesus said, don't stop the kiddies from coming. And I want to go a step further. We shouldn't just be not stopping them from coming. We should be doing all we can to invite them to come. Say, we have a place where you'll be loved, where you'll be accepted, where we can help you understand that there is a heavenly father who loves you so much that he gave his life for you. And that's just what we want you to know. What will we get from it in return? It's an interesting question. A lot of dust, a lot of cookie crumbs, spilled juice, screaming and hollering, lots of noise. But the knowledge of knowing we are passing on our faith to those who Jesus said, don't stop them from coming. Yes, for the kiddies. We will put up with cookie crumbs. Ground into the carpet so deep that even the carpet cleaner won't get it out. Rusty will be cussing at us and saying, okay, maybe he won't cuss. I'll say, ah, Rusty. But he'll be grumbling. These goofy, would you stop giving these kids cookies? Yes, for the kiddies. We'll put up with the louder music and the annoyance and the loud screaming and hollering. For the kiddies. We will not just grin and bear their presence in church. We will be excited by their presence and encourage them. You see, for the kiddies, 
it's not just about dance recitals and watching episodes of The Wheels. It's what we do to help our kids understand that there's a Heavenly Father who loves them and is willing to give their life for all of his kitties. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, this morning as we begin to stop and plan and get prepared of what we do and why we're gonna do and Lord, we understand and Lord, we have a church here who gives and sacrifices so much for the kids already. And Father, I understand that what we're about to go through, we didn't quite plan on it the way we were planning on it. And this isn't working out quite the way that we originally thought. But Father, you know. And Father, you knew what we were gonna go through and you've allowed it. And so Father, we can just stop and say thank you that we're gonna learn to keep moving on. Lord, we've done it as parents. We do it as adults. Those, Father, we just, we, we understand the sacrifice that we do for our own kids. And Father, as a church, may we do the same. Not for a dance recital, not for a movie, not for trying to help our kids get into college, or, but for something even greater than all those things. And that is with a relationship with you. To know that there is a heavenly Father who loves them, who died for them. And when even when we, Father, sometimes hit off and do our own things, you wait there patiently, lovingly, calling us back. And when we start hitting back, Father, you wrap your arms around us and you, Lord, I just don't know if I can totally understand the love that you have for us, but I'm thankful and I'm grateful. So, Father, all that we do, May we understand that you loved us enough that you came and you died for all your kitties. Help us as we go through this next year and some of the discomfort and the dust and the dirt and the screams and the hollers and the, Lord, may we understand we are who we sacrifice for. So I just wanna say thank you. Be with us. Guide us this next year. Help us to make wise choices, wise decisions. Help us as a church as we have a lot of things that we will have to figure out and get working on. Guide us, direct us, but thank you for this opportunity. In your name we pray.